The following teaching is brought to you by Crosspoint Church. For sermon notes and other resources, visit go to crosspoint.com. If you were around like I was in the 1970s and the 80s uh, in the United States, you might remember that we had a common enemy, the Soviet Union, the evil empire, and along with them, several of the communist bloc countries. And we watched the news and we heard stories about how life there was so oppressive and they just didn't have the same freedoms and it was this military state. And you remember watching the TV and you would see these soldiers in Red Square marching and you just got the chills from it. Well, in 1984, I had the opportunity to take my one and only trip to Europe. And my parents chaperoned a group of high school kids along with some friends of theirs. And I was a kid that just finished seventh grade. And we got to see some, some neat things. We went to Switzerland, which is beautiful, and we went to Venice, which is wild to see there's no streets, there's just boats, right, through these canals. Well, one of the countries that we got to see is a country that no longer exists and was part of that communist bloc. We went to the country known as East Germany, or the German Democratic Republic. After World War II, uh, Germany was divided and basically cut in half, but the one major city within East Germany was Berlin, and so they cut that city in half. And so West Berlin was like this island in the middle of East Germany. So this trip that we took was mostly on a bus. So we got on this bus, and eventually we got to drive through East Germany, and, and it was wild. It was like going back in time. We noticed these farmers on the side of the road, and they were using horse-drawn plows, and they had sickles with which to, to harvest their crops, something that we wouldn't have seen in our country for 100 years. Within West Berlin, to, to protect the people from coming into West Berlin from East Germany, a wall was built, the Berlin Wall, 1961. You see, the previous 12 years before that, about one-sixth of the East German population fled into West Germany. And they were losing their most educated, their doctors, their lawyers, their teachers. And so they decided to stop it by building this gigantic cinder block wall. And to see it is like going back into time. So we drove through East Germany and got into East Berlin, and we got there on this beautiful, sunny Sunday afternoon. It was perfect weather. And just imagine any city in Southern California going to San Diego on a Sunday afternoon in the summer. What would it be like? Packed with people, right? Wall-to-wall people going crazy, having a great time, enjoying the beautiful weather. It was the exact opposite. The streets were empty. People were afraid of coming out of their apartments. People didn't want to get caught. People didn't want to run into somebody they shouldn't run into. It was one of the most surreal scenes that I've, I've ever um, come into contact with. So we got back on the bus after going through this museum in East Berlin, right? And we get on this bus and we go through the infamous Checkpoint Charlie, which is one of the ways that you can get from east to west. And it's this super thick center block wall that... You know, there's very little space that vehicles can get through. And we were told that we would be showing our passports to soldiers that came up. 
So sure enough, these guards came up and we were told, don't smile, don't laugh, nothing. And 30 high school kids, as quiet as you've ever seen them, stared at these soldiers and held up that passport right there and they slowly walked by. And if you looked on the outside of the bus, you would also see a couple of these guards with this gigantic mirror that was parallel to the ground with wheels underneath it and they pushed it underneath the bus to see if anybody was trying to stow away and to get into the west. Just wild. So we get through Checkpoint Charlie and eventually we get to West Berlin and we go to a place where we have this great view of the wall. And on the west side, the wall is completely covered in graffiti. And here we are, about 30 high school kids, taking our turns, walking up this platform and looking over onto the other side into East Berlin. And there's a guard tower up there and these two guards with these huge rifles are like 40, 50 feet away from us. And one of them pulls out this camera with this lens that was gigantic and he's taking pictures of these high school kids like, what are these kids up to? And you look over the wall and there's space there. It's, it's a good 30, 40 yards until the first building. Because if you've seen any of the pictures or heard any of the stories, you know that people continued to try to escape. They would jump out of their apartment building and try to come to safety. Other stories of people uh, cramming themselves into trunks of cars or even stories of people going through the sewers to try to make it to the West, to freedom. And it just brought about these thoughts of devastation, how families had been divided for decades just because they lived on this block and you lived on this block and all of a sudden you could no longer see your family members. And you look over this wall and there's this grassy area and it's landmines. And there's these X's coming up out, out of the ground and it's these tank barricades. And there's razor wire. Just this unreal scene. Fast forward five years, the fall of 1989, and I remember watching the TV just glued, fixated to it. And all these teenagers are standing on top of this graffitied wall with sledgehammers tearing that thing down. Loud rock music is playing, fireworks, people are going crazy. The wall came down. For those of you who aren't as old as I am, probably the equivalent that I can think of is North Korea opening its borders, that you would be planning next week a camping trip somewhere in North Korea, right? It's just unfathomable. Well, that was the case in the 80s, thinking of East and West in Germany. You know, just like I was taken by surprise at that moment, there are, for all of us, many moments of surprise in life. Some of those surprises are good. Some of them not so good. Maybe like getting a new job, that's exciting. Or after decades of working for the, a company, you're downsized. Or maybe the cries of a brand new baby or the heartbreak of a miscarriage. Maybe it's a teenager for a first time love and writing notes and sending text messages by the dozens every day. Or after years and years, it's a brutal divorce that's ending bitterly. Maybe completing a 10K for the first time in your life is so exciting and such a surprise. Or on the other side, noticing that your body is breaking down and that walking is becoming difficult. 
Sometimes these surprises happen to us. Sometimes these surprises happen to people around us. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. Now, for those of us who follow Jesus, we have the hope of Jesus Christ, that we get to live with him in eternity, and that we can manage, and and yeah, life is hard, but we know that we have hope on the other side of eternity. But sometimes, as Christians, we find ourselves in the midst of others' lives, and surprises happen to them, and sometimes they're good, but sometimes they're bad. And you hear these stories of sorrow and you hear these stories where people are speechless and they're confused and maybe it's your barista your next door neighbor a friend maybe it's your trainer at the gym and you have this hope of Jesus and this person is hopeless and you freeze and you don't know what to say so what is it that you and I as followers of Jesus should be doing in those situations When somebody is taken by surprise, what should we do? Well, there's a story in Acts that gives us a great example where everybody, all the characters involved are taken by surprise. And one of them sets the example on what we should do in that situation. If you have a Bible with you, I want to encourage you to take it out. Or if you have a phone with you that has an app with the books of the Bible, open up to the book of Acts chapter 3. Now, the book of Acts is the fifth book in the New Testament. So the first four books are the Gospels, or essentially the biographies on the life of Jesus. In the very first chapter of Acts, Jesus ascends to heaven, and he leaves the disciples, and they're waiting for something. And there's nothing extraordinary about this group of people other than the fact that they're followers of Jesus. And Jesus sends them the Holy Spirit. And this grassroots, grassroots movement begins and the Holy Spirit empowers them and the numbers of people coming to Jesus just explodes. Now, in our last episode, this was two weeks ago, Pastor Steve told us the story about Peter and John walking up to the temple. And when they're walking to the temple, they see this man who has been begging for money and he's been doing it for a long, long time. It's this tragic story of a man who's disabled and his body is just not moving. And the only thing he has going for him is that there are people who are willing to carry him on a daily basis on his stretcher to the temple so that he can beg. And various disabilities are difficult these days, absolutely. But you want to add the fact that 2,000 years ago, medicine wasn't the same, conveniences weren't the same. This man completely depended on others. And if this man had been there for decades, he'd become like a fixture, something that you see like in the background. Okay, like on a positive side, you go to In-N-Out Burger and they're exploding, they're going all over the place. And no matter where you go, you're going to find two palm trees, right? Or on a more sobering note, you go to one of our major West Coast cities these days And you drive through the freeways and you see on the overpasses the tents of homeless everywhere. People in the background. People that we forget. People that aren't noticed. And that is this man. And this amazing thing occurs. Peter and John look this man in the eyes and tell him to stand up and to walk. 
And for the first time in this guy's life, he's moving around. And his life has completely changed. This guy has won the lottery. No, 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 way better than that. This man now has a life that he never knew before. And can you imagine this man's surprise? His euphoria, running around, jumping. Our story tonight begins with verse 11. They all rushed out in amazement in Solomon's colonnade, Solomon's colonnade, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Okay, so my middle child, my daughter Kira, I can remember a long time ago when she was five years old. And if you have a five-year-old and they're going into kindergarten, you know that thing that they have to do. They have to get their shots, right? So Kira is a tough kid. She's super spunky. But on this day, she was having nothing to do with these shots, right? So dad takes her in there to this doctor's office and she sees the needle coming and this kid gives me the death grip. She climbs up on me, arms and legs squeezing. I'm losing oxygen because she's squeezing so hard. And she starts screeching, eee! And I won't do it at full volume because it was pretty loud. And it was hard not to laugh because it was going on for minutes. Everybody's looking, doctors, nurses, techs, parents, kids, staring down the hallway. What is going on with this kid? She's clinging on to her dad, this guy that she completely trusts, who is now going to enable somebody to stick needles in her arm. I picture these men, this man the same way, right? I picture him with one arm around Peter, one arm around John, and he is squeezing as tight as possible around their necks. He cannot leave these guys. He has just received new life. But this man isn't the only one who's surprised. The crowd is also surprised. This fixture, this guy who's been in the background for decades, is now running around, leaping, praising God. We're going to continue with verse 12. I'm going to read the rest of the chapter. Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this? And why stare at us as though we had made this man walk by our own power or godliness? For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all our ancestors who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. This is the same Jesus whom you handed over and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him. You rejected this holy righteous one and instead demanded the release of a murderer. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. And we are all witnesses of this fact. Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed and you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. Friends, I realize that what you and your leaders did to Jesus was done in ignorance. But God was fulfilling what all the prophets had foretold about the Messiah. That he must suffer these things. Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord and he will again send you, Jesus, your appointed Messiah. For he must remain in heaven until the time for the final restoration of all things, as God promised long ago through his holy prophets. Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. Listen carefully to everything he tells you. Then Moses said, 
Anyone who will not listen to the prophet will be completely cut off from God's people. Starting with Samuel, every prophet spoke about what is happening today. You are the children of those prophets, and you are included in the covenant God promised to your ancestors. For God said to Abraham, through your descendants, all families on the earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, Jesus, he sent him first to you people of Israel to bless you by turning each of you back from your sinful ways. This man is surprised. He has new life. The crowd is surprised, but guess what? Peter is also surprised. Peter is surprised that the crowd is surprised. What is shocking you about this? This is our God that did this. The God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He's been in the business of miracles for a long, long time. Now, I would like to say that if I was in that situation, if I was in the crowd, that I would be on Peter's side. Well, absolutely, I had faith that that would absolutely happen. But if I'm honest with myself, and I think about a couple years ago before he passed, that if I was at a church and I saw Stephen Hawking, who came there on a daily basis, that if he all of a sudden one day was running around, that I wouldn't have been surprised. I probably wouldn't be honest with myself. I, I would be just as shocked. At that point, Peter gives all the credit to Jesus. Nope, wasn't me, was not John. This was done by Jesus, in the name of Jesus, through faith. And then after that, Peter goes on the attack. Yeah, you know Jesus. He's the guy that you exchanged for a murderer. And then he's the guy that you had killed. You remember that? Do you, do you remember that name, Jesus? Ouch right? And then Peter connects the dots. All right, guys, God has woven history to this moment. We are God's chosen people. We are direct descendants of this promise, and we've been awaiting a Messiah since Adam. Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. Our prophets have told about it. Let's talk about Abraham, he, pr he promised about the offspring that would be a blessing to the entire world. Moses talked about it multiple times. Samuel talked about it. And then Peter says, a chapter before this, let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, who you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Jesus was the plan all along. And you guys ignored him. And no, you didn't just ignore him. You traded him for a killer and then you killed him. Again, on this side of history and having read through this multiple times, I want to say that, you know what? I, I would have been just as mature as Peter and I, I would have seen what most of those folks didn't see, that I would have understood that Jesus, yes, was the Messiah. How could anybody have missed that? Well, on a small parallel, you know, in 1984, after seeing the Berlin Wall, had I been a better student of politics, had I better paid attention to the news, had I known the fact that Gorbachev was slowly withdrawing along with the Soviets' influence in the Eastern Bloc countries, had I known the fact that the East German economy was completely collapsing, then watching that wall come down wouldn't have been a complete surprise. This crowd not only ignored Jesus, not only had him killed, they had blood on their hands. They were fully guilty. 
They were active participants in this. You and I can say this side of history like, whoa, I don't think I would have done that, right? And if they're in that situation, my thought is, why wouldn't God go after them? It's time for some revenge, right? You guys were chanting, crucify me, crucify me. It seems like an unforgivable act. Yet the amazing thing is that within this speech that sounds harsh from Peter, he immediately offers forgiveness. He says, look guys, this plan of the way that Jesus went to the cross, this suffering, this has been in the works a long time. It's been foretold. This, this was gonna happen. Even Jesus himself, just before his ascension, says this in Luke 24 to his disciples. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. So these people find out that God is not just their creator, that God, as defined in 1 John, is the personification, beyond personification, of love. And Jesus chose the cross. He chose to die for this group. And he offers forgiveness, and he offers refreshment, and he offers salvation. Another amazing thing, not only does God accept us, forgive us, and give us life, God has chosen to make us part of the plan. God chose to use us. 2 Corinthians 2, For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. We are supposed to be this amazing, aromatic, beautiful reflection example of the love of Jesus to everybody around us. We have a job to do. So going back to the original thought, when we are around somebody who's taken by surprise, what is it that we should do? Well, we need to do what Peter does. When somebody's taken by surprise, attack. When somebody is taken by surprise, attack. All right, attack as in act, get moving, not as in do something awful, right? The first thing to talk about is don't run away in that situation. Don't miss your opportunity. Christianity is not a spectator sport. God wants to use us. 2 Corinthians 3.12, since this new way gives us such confidence, we can be very bold. And this is not just the people up here on stage that have microphones. This is people everywhere. This is all of us, no matter what our gifts are, extrovert, introvert, behind the scenes, in front of the scenes. We are all called to be bold. I'd like to stand up here and say that I've capitalized on this very well my entire life, but it wouldn't be true. I think of a story nine years ago, pretty close friends of ours, that had a missing child case where their um, teenage daughter went missing. And it completely altered their life. And we went up to the area to help 
for a few days the search and rescue effort to no avail. And it wasn't for weeks and weeks after that where they found her body. It's this horrible story that has altered their lives forever. But my wife did a great job. She stayed on the phone. She continued to contact and call and talk and cry and pray with them. Me, I disappeared. I I didn't know what to say. I didn't want to say anything stupid. I didn't want to do the wrong thing. I, I didn't know what to say to them. When you see the surprise, attack. Now, sometimes the best thing to do is to not say anything at all. 2 Corinthians 1. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. You may have heard the phrase, preach the gospel if necessary, use words. It's a phrase that's attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, but he never said it. But I like the spirit of it behind in this certain situation. If you're in a situation where somebody around you is surprised, they're in total shock, don't say anything. Be their comfort. Cry with them. Hold their hands. Sit with them. Tell them you're sorry. Don't say anything that you can't promise. Don't put words in God's mouth. If a small child dies, don't say, well, God just won another angel in heaven. We mean well in those situations. We want to say something to comfort them. But if we say, you're going to be fine, and they don't end up fine, we've done some damage. If we tell them something, a Bible verse that doesn't exist, God won't give you anything that you can't handle. Well, that's not true either. People suffer all the time and they can't handle it. So sometimes the best thing is just to sit there and hold their hand. My seminary prof called it the ministry of presence. And it reassures me because I can't think of what to say most of the time. So I just sit there and pray with them or sit with them. Now, when the time is right, we got to say something. Once again, that phrase, use the gospel or preach the gospel if necessary, use words. Here's where I don't like it. Sometimes it makes me feel like, oh, good. I don't have to say anything. I just have to be with that person or I just have to, you know, mow the lawn for them when they're sick and bring them meals and things like that. And I'll leave that stuff up to the, the pastor up front. Nope. We are all on the hook. We have to speak to them. We have to share the gospel. First Peter 3.15, if somebody asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. If you don't know what to say, I'm going to give you a little bit of an outline in a little bit. It's called the big story. So hang on just a second. Again, when you see the surprise attack, Positive opportunities, negative opportunities. The birth of a child. Somebody who has witnessed a miracle. Somebody who has seen God act in a way that they can't explain. This is our opportunity to connect the dots for them. 
Something terrible happens, an illness, a broken dream, an unrealized marriage, a catastrophic national or global event. Can you think of anything? When something like that happens, that is our opportunity to attack. Now, before I get to the specifics, we have to remember that when we attack, we want to attack respectfully. Okay, know the context. Here, this is not my, what I would recommend. If you go up to a complete stranger and say, hey, you killed Jesus. <laughs> want to go to heaven? Want to be forgiven? All right, that does not work, especially in our context today. When I watch Peter be so bold, I have to look at that. Ready? I am surprised that Peter is surprised at their surprise. All right? Just weeks before this story, Peter's the guy that denied Jesus in the most critical moment of his life. Nope, I don't know him. Peter's the guy that walked on water and then started sinking because he lost faith. Peter spent three years with Jesus on a daily basis and he couldn't hold up his bargain. It wasn't until Jesus' resurrection where Peter was 100% sold out. I don't think in this passage that Peter's being arrogant. I just think he is a fellow recipient of this grace and he knows this incredible situation in which many of these people may have been the same ones chanting, chanting crucify him, crucify him. Peter is bold, he speaks truth, but he sees himself as a fellow sinner, a fellow follower of Jesus. Finally, remember that the lost, those who don't know Jesus, they are not your enemy. Satan is the enemy. Pray for them. So while you're praying for opportunities and looking for the surprise in others' lives, here's what you can say. Anybody in this room, I don't know if you're first time here, I don't know why you walked through this door tonight. But here's a guarantee. I can guarantee that you and everybody else in this room could use refreshment. The last year, the last couple years have hit us all hard in different ways. Maybe you are broken. Maybe there's been a miracle in your life. Maybe you've been trying to figure out who this Jesus guy is for a long, long time. Let me connect the dots. The big story goes like this. There are many stories that we hear. There are many stories that are told in different medium. But the one that supersedes all of them is this, that there is a God who created you. And that God is the personification of love. And you are made in the image of God. You are not an accident. God has known about you for millennia. And God, when he created us, gave us free will. He gave us the choice to follow him or not. He also gave us like these guardrails, right? Like stay on the inside of these guardrails. This is the best thing that's gonna, if you follow these, it's gonna protect you. This is the best way to live into your freedom. But some of us, it's like we're on the West German side of the Berlin Wall and we're looking over to the East German side and it's like, ooh, how come God doesn't want us to go live over there? Let's jump that fence. Let's jump that wall. And we do. <laughs> and God's like, no. I had my best for you here. But even though we turn our backs on God, even though we follow our own path, 
God is relentless. He still pursues us. He still chases us down. And that sin has led to the destruction of so much. The world does not operate the way it's supposed to. But I have an unexpected surprise, perhaps for a few of you here tonight. Just as the way Peter offered forgiveness to the people then, God is offering you forgiveness and life and refreshment tonight. I don't know what life has been like for you, but I can bet that you've gone through some hard times the last two years. And this God loves us very much and actually initiated that reconciliation. We turned our backs on him. We walked away. Yet he was the one who still reached out. He sent his son to us. 1 Peter 2. He personally carried our sins in his body on that cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, we are healed. Now, if we look at ourselves, if we look at life, sin is still wreaking havoc. And most of us will not receive that temporary physical healing or temporary emotional healing until the other side of eternity. But what we can take to the bank, what we can take home with us tonight is that God wants to heal us on the inside. Is that God wants to give all of us life. Revelation 3 says this, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. It's like God says, I want to come hang out at your house. I just want to be with you. I just want to know you. I want to hear your pain. I want to laugh with you. This is not the story of a distant creator. This is a story of a God who knows us intimately and loves us. That, my friends, is the big story. Let's pray. God, we may be in one of two different categories tonight. We may be somebody who knows this hope, the hope of Jesus Christ, the hope of salvation, the hope of restoration, the hope of healing. Yet we are afraid when that moment to open our mouths comes. God, for those folks tonight, I pray boldness, courage. And maybe for some tonight, those who have never heard the gospel, never heard that there is God who loves them, even though he knows everything we've ever done and still chases us down. May this be a welcome surprise to them tonight, God. And all you have to do tonight is say, yep, I can't do this on my own. I desperately want to cling to Jesus. And that's all you got to do. I choose to follow you. I choose to cling to you. Thank you for your love, your forgiveness. And we pray tonight that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of God's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Surprise. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. 
For more resources, check out go to crosspoint.com.